Well, good morning, everyone. You're tuned to Community Radio 3CR. Time is uh, just after 7.30, and, of course, it's time for the 3CR Gardening Show. My name's Pam Vardy. First up, of course, we have to welcome back Stephen Ryan from Dixoni Rare Plants. Morning, Stephen. Good morning, Pam, and good morning, everybody out there. I hope we've all woken up without uh, our gardens being blown to bits this morning. Uh, <laughs> no trees over roofs uh, or cars, I hope. Yes, it was, it was quite a... Uh, a night, really. It took me a while to get off to sleep, actually, with the wind whistling around the house and what have you. But anyhow, I woke up this morning. Everything looks like it's all right, but there's twigs everywhere and goodness knows, quite a lot of cleaning up to do, I should think. Oh, look, I'm, I'm still waiting to properly clean up after all the frost I've had. I've even had <laughs> frosts on the roof this week, would you yeah. believe? So I still haven't cut back anything. No. Well, I haven't touched anything really either um, because, well, it's just too early if you're going to keep getting frost the way we are. And they're talking about snow down to 400 metres tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> That's what was on one of the weather forecasts Ooh, I heard. Uh, yeah. And I thought, oh, goody, goody. Yeah, yeah. That's, <laughs> That's all we need. So certainly not time to put in your tomatoes yet oh definitely <laughs> not yes <laughs> goodness me mind you i mean for the last for the last few years i haven't been planting out until october mm. and i think it'll definitely be october this yeah, year yes, yes i anyway. think so well of course mine will be november because i'll be off in madagascar of course. Uh, yet again uh, in october so i won't get back to the end of october so but look that might be absolutely perfect. It, it might have just had time for the soil to really heat up and everything might just go whoosh as well, soon as you get home. That's what I'm hoping. So yep. I'll get stuck into it as soon as I get home and get all my summer stuff in yep. and uh, hopefully we'll still get a good crop. So Absolutely. I'm sure you will. Yeah, well, you've got to do these things when you've got to do these things sometimes. You do. We also have to say a very good morning to Graham Morrison. Good morning, Graham. Good morning, Pam. Good morning, listeners out there. Happy Father's Day to the, the, all, all of the fathers out, out yonder. Absolutely. <laughs> and I hope many of them have been given something green for yeah. Father's yeah, Day. Yes, it would be nice right, if they were sure. given a tree or a shrub or something for the garden. Yeah. That would be good. <laughs> Wouldn't it? Exactly. Now, my wife looked out this morning. She said, this is spring. <laughs> <laughs> it was pretty torrid tor- 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 out there. I heard uh, St- Stephen on uh, ABC Radio yesterday. He m- mentioned the Mer- Americans have a term called uh, zonal denial, and uh, I'm guilty of that in my garden. And I was looking at my banana tree this morning, and uh, I—that's it—it's it's in denial. Yeah. <laughs> it would like to move further north, probably. <laughs> uh, but it's, look, it's all part of the fun of gardening, though, isn't it, Graham? Yeah, I, I, mean, I suppose so. That, that, know, that's you, true. Yeah. We all like to push the barriers a bit and try the things we shouldn't be growing. I mean, it's what gardeners do. I did Absolutely. buy it as a cold climate banana tree, but you know, it couldn't take this, this cold climate. Yeah. No. Uh, this, oh, this well. winter. Oh, well. <laughs> yes, I'll be interested to see how my Abyssinian bananas come back because I'm also in zonal denial. Uh, and uh, I planted three Abyssinian bananas in the garden at home last spring. No, spring before. So they went through one winter mm-hmm. uh, and they, they got knocked and all the leaves drooped down and went... Yeah black and disgusting, but then they shot through themselves again. They're looking sure. a little worse for wear this year because mm. uh, we've had mm. even more cold, I think. Yeah. Oh, uh, we've had a lot more cold this year. But, you know, they've got trunks on them, I suppose, and the old yeah. measurement's about 18 inches in diameter now. So well, you think they, that'd up, make they? them substantial yeah. enough to yeah. withstand? Yeah, to get, get, get through. Yeah. 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 Yeah, sure. The thing will be, of course, they'll get through, grow, flower yeah. and die. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. <laughs> but anyhow, it's, it's the fun of growing uh, these things. Of course it is. Absolutely. 
<laughs> now, Graham, you've been tripping off all oh, around yes. this place. <laughs> don't don't, don't you, you, you cop, cop, cop a travel log if you're not careful. <laughs> that's fine. That's fine. We're always interested, particularly if we're stuck at home. <laughs> Someone was saying the other day that I'm a, a lucky person in that I've retired from being a nurseryman and uh, uh, my love of, uh, you know, I've Plants have been my love all my life, but I, I go into my retirement and, and, and there that continues because you know, I go up to my bowling club and they've got me gardening. Uh, they ask me a myriad of questions on, on gardening. I go overseas and I can't help myself. You know, I'm looking at all the plants, so I'm, I'm able to further my interest in my retirement. But not, 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 not everybody gets that opportunity. Sort That's of thing. exactly so, right. If you were still working though, Graham, you could make it a tax deduction as well. No, no, gardening is a lifelong habit, I'm afraid. Yeah, that's so simple. No, we, we, last, last one we got Italy. I saw my son was over there. Uh, he's a, a mechanical engineer working on uh, combine har- harvesters. All right. He's actually he's in, in Denmark, but he's down, down in Italy, so we spent a bit of t- t- time with him. Uh, and then we, we get to Spain. We got uh, Portugal, France. Uh, Guernsey Island up to uh, in, in England, so that was a, a, a big trip. The, when we got down to Barcelona, we did our own thing for two, two, two weeks, I think, with Leonio and a, a, t- two friends, and then uh, we got on a, a cruise at Barcelona, came back to Barcelona, and uh, and uh, did the, the, right, right, right around s- s- Spain through the Gibraltar Strait, up up up, up, up on the uh, the western side of Spain, Port- Portugal, and but uh, just a, a few interesting things I probably yeah, wrote down that your listeners might might be inter- interested in. I think uh, San Sebastian is just a beautiful place there. If you've been there, it's worth, worth going to the just a beautiful bay with the expanse of sand and bay, bay, bathers around the place. And some very good sites on the on the sandy beaches, I must admit. Also, um, some very good restaurants. Yeah, true, 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 true. But uh, they've got this big promenade in, in, in fa- 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 between the, the 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 city buildings and and, and the sea, and they've got uh, tam- tamarics uh, as standards there. Wow, and, and just so so interesting. Thing. And I, you know, there's a few old, really old ones with old butts that probably be a good hundred years old, and probably they've found that they stood the the, the salt stung breezes and they are suitable there. So they've planted probably you know many hundreds of these t- tamarix as a standard, about about two, 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 two plus meet, meters with the bare, bare, bare stem. Uh, Lovely feathery green, you know, to, to mm. top them, and, and, and the pink flowers coming through as well, and all, 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 all along that prom- promenade, and they're very nice. I think you know, I used to have tamarix in, in the nursery to sell it, but nobody ever bought the things. But people should have have a try; they're a be- beautiful thing, really. Right, so, and so, tough so, as billio. That would be right. Sure, mm. these things. Oh are, yeah, 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 good, yeah tamarix good, 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 is very tough. Yeah, yeah, it's good, good, good one. But, uh, then we uh, some some of the other things got to Madrid Botanical Gardens and uh, they've advertised five thousand species of pl- plants there and very well 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 done. It's worth worth going if you're in the, that area. Uh, well labelled around the place, but I, m- m- I must confess, uh, uh, Stephen, I I saw they were, they had some tr- a lot of f- ferns there and some Australian ferns, uh, Dicksonia Antarctica Antarctica, and they had uh, Sciathia. 
Brown the 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 there and the the tag was up up on another fern that certainly wasn't so out there. Brown. So I, I I pulled it out and put it in its right place. So that's <laughs> I'm not I, sure whether you meant to do those things, no, but if I, you know, I, why not? I, I, I hope no one saw well, you doing well, it. Well, yeah, well, yeah, they might have thought you were about being naughty. Se- severe penalties in <laughs> Spain, <laughs> or thing. And, <laughs> and look, it happens in the best of institutes because people pull things out and shove them back and all of that sort of they thing. Do. And I remember years ago as a young student in England, I was at Q and I went in to the Australian house that was at Kew. I don't know whether it still is. Uh, and they have one of their eucalyptuses incorrectly laid. Okay, yes. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Uh, and you think, this is Q? How did yeah. that possibly happen? You know, but it does. Uh, not, not in your league with botanical names <laughs> by, by a long shot, but I, I, I did know that one, so they got, <laughs> got away with it. Uh, yeah, a ginkgo tree in that the botanical gardens, uh, they is many, many years old. They were saying there that they can get to a 1,000 years old, a, 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 a ginkgo in, in some of the gardens. Uh, got down to Malaga, and they had many sev- several oranges. And I'd seen that before, I think, in, in Athens, Pam, where you're, uh, they, they have their street trees of several oranges. I don't know if it's Seville or Seville. I've got the old Seville in my head. Uh, and again, they're, they're trained as a standard, you know, probably to, 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 to 2.5 metres of bare branch, then you'll lollipop on the top. And right. Thriving, you know, with big, big, big canopies on the, on the top, all, all, all full, full of these lovely you know, rich, rich red uh, several oranges. They, they, they say that they're not taken by the public very, very much because the, of the bitter taste that they have sort of thing. But if they only knew and they could get uh, make a bit of marmalade from them. Well, it's probably not a, a cultural thing to make marmalade in no, part of the world. No, it probably isn't. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But, but it's, it's, isn't it interesting how they allow yeah, sure. fruit trees as street trees? Yeah, sure. um, but in mm. Australia, councils would just say, yeah. oh, we can't possibly, people will skid on a fruit that's yeah. fallen. And, and people won't look after them, so they'll have codlin moth or they'll have um, gall wasp or yeah. they'll have something else. And- yeah. Yes. Rotten fruit on the ground. Yeah. Yes, yes. <laughs> yeah, but uh, these were magnificent. I and mean, you know, you think that they're, they're there must be you know, some of these that be 70, 80 year olds as street trees. Got down to several itself, and uh, they claimed that there were 14,000 standard orange trees as their street street plantings. Goodness. And I thought that seemed a lot. I checked, checked another uh, source, and sure enough, they said the same thing. There were 14,000 uh, of, of these lovely seven. Wow. There's a hell of a lot of marmalade. That's a yeah. lot. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. <laughs> and then uh, they say when the the blossoms out, of course. It's a, it's, a, oh, it's beautiful. It. It's even a little bit better than your sweet oranges, I yeah. think. They oh. bl- bl- blossom, and they're going to tend to have a, a, a dark foliage. And that, 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 that's you know, you, you, you know, the, to the listeners out there, I'm holding one up in my hot hand here. They're, they're quite quite flat compared with the the sweet oranges around. Uh, and they're but, uh, they're a tough tree, the sevils. Yeah, that that's true. Yeah. They're, they're a little bit more frost sensitive. I, I see in the, in the literature too. Yeah, yeah sure. Yeah, so, but, uh, yeah, I've got I, quite I, a good one yeah. in the garden at home, and I've got yeah. a series of ladies who sort of stand there waiting for them to ripen. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> okay. And uh, in yeah. fact, I think.
think all my all my severals went off to the members of the Horticultural Society yeah. this year to make marmalade to sell at our fair. Fair so, enough. So yeah, so my my Very organically good. grown several oranges will be in marmalade at the fair, available for sale. I, I, they should have Stephen's oranges on it somewhere, and um, that would bring a premium price possibly. Yeah, there you go. I'm sure it would. But Stephen, the beauty is you don't have to worry about harvesting them and doing something with them. No, no, all the girls do do it, and and I normally get enough uh, several orange marmalade back uh, that I don't need anymore. Yeah, Yeah. very good. It works for me. We're well organised. Yeah, and in fact, this year I had somebody deal with the quinces. And I got a couple of jars of pickled quinces back. I had somebody deal with the meddlers, and I got some meddler paste back. Um, it's a win-win. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's the way to go. Yeah, yeah, I think it's a great idea. Fantastic. And a bit of several marmalade on toast. It's 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 a good it's a good food. It's a good yeah. way to go, yeah. isn't it? It's, it's right. yeah, very yep. special stuff. Yeah. And like you said, they must be hardy because you know, as a street tree, they get knocked around. But you know, yeah. just just. Uh, you know, successively or right along the street, you, you wonder, you know, the early days when they're getting them up to that height sort of thing or whether they bought, bought, bought them in as a standardised thing versus the start, I suppose it would be another way to go. But they've, uh, they've it's, it's very, very well done throughout their city. Yep, yeah, great. Yeah. Uh, got down to Gibraltar and that was something else. We had got a tour through, through Gibraltar, uh, a big stand of gum trees at the base of the big rock there, which we were pleased to see. And then uh, we got uh, a, a lovely. I'd just like to relate that we were to Porto Mayo, and we got on, on a four wheel four wheel drive. This was in Portugal now, of course, and uh, got, got up in the hills, sort of real hungry hills, and you know, mm. not, not not any nice river flats like you see so much in, in through through Spain. And uh, there's little berry trees and stuff. They got up to the top and they said, "We've got uh, out, of, out of the local berries here. We uh, uh, we make we, we make a, a brandy." Okay. And, and uh, so they put us in a little room. They had a still there, and we had to try this. But they they, they call it f- f- fire fire water. Oh, and, oh. Um, yeah. <laughs> so we <laughs> t- 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 tried a few of that. They, 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 they these berries they just grow on the hills, and I saw saw the berries roughly on the on the way up, and. Uh, it said uh, uh, they're not commercial plantings; they're just just, just wild bears. And then we went outside, and there's, there's one of the trees there. Lo and behold, it's Arbutus unido, the the Irish strawberry tree. No, right. I, I, I heard of, that you can make um, uh, alcoholic beverages out of Arbutus, but uh, so they're doing it there in, in Portugal. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, there, there, there we go. They had a rude story where they they, they, they said if a, a lady has two, it's fine. If she has more than three, sometimes nine months later the stalk arrives. <laughs> oh, dear. <laughs> <laughs> right. Uh, yes, so we'll leave that one alone. Yes. The, the, the other one was... Uh, we got up there and the stands of gum trees everywhere, you know. And I thought, gee, yeah, a lot, lot, lot it of It really gum, is gum the weed of the world, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, it's just starting to get that way. And it really, all of a sudden, the penny dropped, Pam. Way, way back, I like to bring a little bit of research for the listeners to listen to sometimes. And I was talk, talk, talking about Portugal coming the, the earth for, for a suitable tree for their pulper pipe. Their paper pulp uh, in industry, and, and they, they they reckon that their our uh, eucalyptus globulus, the the blue blue gum was was, was the best best way to go. So they worked out uh, some really 
good uh, technology where they actually took the the uh, cuttings and they grew grew them from cutting rather than seed, and uh, uh, big glass houses sort of thing. They were uh, with the technology with the you know the right humidity and. and uh, 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 hormones and stuff that they were putting out. That they were, I can't remember exactly the time, but there was in the millions of, of, of trees for their planting of eucalypts for their paper pulp uh, right. I- I- industry. And then all of a sudden I see them, you know, I, I t- t- talked around and they, they, they say now that in Portugal 80% of their, uh, their trees, their large trees, are eucalypts. Goodness, that's, 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 you know, and it's all happened. Probably a lot of it happened since the fall for because of that research that went on early in the days. Right, it's probably twenty odd years ago. Sort of thing, yeah, really. yeah. Well, there. Stephen, it's like Madagascar, isn't it? They they brought in in the gum trees the eucalypts for um, railway sleepers originally. Yeah, yeah, and and to help reforest where they'd been raping and pillaging the local forests. Yeah, uh, which if they do come back, take centuries to really become primary forest again. And so they planted a lot of eucalypt and they planted a lot of Pinus um, patula, the Mexican pine too, uh, to use for timber and stuff. So both have become feral there, of course. They're Absolutely. Self-seeding all over the place. So there's parts of Madagascar you're driving along and you could could be at the back of Wood End. Um, it's, it's a weird feeling. And the other thing too is that now um, Madagascar is so prone to bushfires yeah. because of those darn eucalypts. Yeah, that's the that, that, just had some uh, fires in P- P- Portugal, actually, yes. and that, that somewhat one of the reasons. But the other thing, why they grow so well, of course, they they, they take the cultivar, the propagation material there, but they don't take any of the pests that have evolved within in Australia. So they've got a free. We should free, send free, them free, some koalas. Yeah, no, right. <laughs> How about some rabbits? <laughs> <laughs> I think they might have sent the master. Those yes. Oh yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, dear. Oh goodness, mate. But then up in the same area, there are a lot of cork trees, of course, so the cork cork oak. And you see where they've stripped them off. They, it takes about 25 years from planting to actually the first harvest of the cork. Put, so they're still uh, harvesting cork yeah, because well, it I, is in decline, isn't yeah, it, or supposedly? Well, I, I put that to the to the guide, actually, and they said, no, 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 no. She said, there's so much more wine consumed in Europe and Asia now. And in Europe, they... They, don't, they laugh a bit at our, our, our screw, screw, screw tops. They don't like the idea. No, they, if you, it's only because they're um, mm. traditionalists. Yes. Mm, I mean, the, the screw tops work perfectly well. Yeah, yeah. They, yeah. Can, they can't really say that the, the wine in a screw top bottle is, mm. is not as good because of the screw top. Mm. It might not be as good because it's not as good a wine, but it's certainly yeah. perfectly fine yeah, the yeah. in a screw top. Yeah. The only problem is you can't send back a bottle of wine and say it's corked anymore. No, but I, I, I have suggested you could say that it was screw. It's good, <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah, yeah, so, uh, but yes, you're right. It can't be corked anymore. No. But, uh, and there's not the same sense of occasion when the waiter comes up and just and goes... No, no, no exactly. No, 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 so right. uh, there's something about bit, pulling bit, the bit, cork. Bit, bit of traditional thing. That, that, that's so much so. You need the pop. Yes, you do. I reckon you do. Uh, perhaps they should train waiters to do it outside of their mouth, you know, to go... You know, uh, whenever they open a bottle. Just, One of those, you yes. know, little popping guns. Yeah. Uh, dear. <laughs> oh. uh, started a hornet's nest here. You have. <laughs> uh, this is what happens when you go away, you yeah, see, no, right? No, that's not sure. <laughs> exactly. 
The other one I'd like to mention was uh, along the street, street certainly in Spain, it, it, Italy, uh, Portugal, I suppose. But they had these per- Persian silk, silk trees uh, in Albizia. Yeah. And that makes a lovely little tree. You don't see enough, I don't mm. think, uh, uh, around our, yeah, our we, gardens. We have them in Australia, but yes, you're right, yeah. you don't see them planted yeah. terribly often. And they're a, a very quick-growing tree. Sure. Uh, they cast a very light, gentle shade, yeah, so true. other things can grow underneath them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, the only thing... I have against, well, there's two things I have against them. They're not terribly long-lived uh, as a rule, and they're very prone to borer. Oh, right. Okay. Uh, the borers will no, get they're, into they're, them and cause merry hell with them. Yeah, that might um, be a, a, re- a reason why they haven't been put put around. Yeah. But just a, quite a wide canopy and nice flowers sort of thing. Yeah. Not, not, not a tall tree at all. It's just, you know, they're up about three metres, I suppose. And they, they, they look sort of certainly attractive. Mm. Uh, then I got to uh, or Normandy for f- f- France, and uh, uh, of course a big ap- ap- apple growing area area there. So I was uh, uh, back in my in, in, in my territory. Uh, they were, we sampled their cider there and uh, Calvados, which is a uh, you know you know that one, a apple brand brandy. Yes. That, was, that was that was that was good stuff. <laughs> yeah. And then uh, <clears throat> got 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 up to the Wisley, what, what, Wisley Gardens, isn't it? In uh, All right. uh, outside of London. Yes. And I'd been to a few of the gardens around around there, but never been there. And okay. About two hundred and forty acres of very well kept gear. I think they're they're nudging a million to to to, to tourists. A, a year there now, uh, they you know it was all well well labelled again. Uh, we had a lovely sunny day there, which made a, made a difference. But they they did quite a bit of research, of course. There they had a whole lot of diff, diff, different types of plants. And they were hedging them to see you know how they st- stood up as a as a hedge, hedging plant. Uh, and uh, I think they they claimed seven hundred different varieties of, of, of apples. Uh, so they had a big, a big plant, a planting of those, but their lawns were so so, so well were so, so so well kept. I think uh, it's the second largest uh, garden that you pay to go in in, in the British Isles. So that, that that was enjoyable, enjoyable well again. But I suppose that uh, the Royal Horticulture Society garden at Wisley. People that uh, do a bit of bit to travel, it's certainly well worth getting out there and having a look at that place. It's mm-hmm. uh, yeah, I, 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 ideal. Good. But that's probably just about finished my tra- 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 travel log. Well, there, you've there, there. certainly <laughs> been everywhere. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Fantastic. Okay. You are listening to the 3CR Gardening Show in the studio this morning. We do have Stephen Ryan and Graham Morrison, so we can talk... Um, well, basically anything, but uh, particularly all things fruit trees and fruit tree growing uh, with uh, Graham while he's in the studio. So uh, we will open the talkback lines. If you'd like to ask a gardening question this morning, do give us a call. That number is 94190155. I need to get to some community yeah. announcements. <clears throat> First up, of course, it's the first Sunday in the month, as well as being Father's Day. Villa Alba is open. I hope they haven't had too much wind. Yes. (laughs) They'll be madly raking this morning, I think. Um, (laughs) But that's at 44 Walmer Street in Kew. Melway reference there, 44H6. Uh, It's the Historic House and the RJ Hamer Heritage Garden that's open. It opens uh, 1 o'clock this afternoon through till 4 o'clock. Admission is $10, concession $8.00. Children are free and afternoon tea is available with a $3 donation. 
Now, also running today is the last day of the 61st Leongather Daffodil and Floral Show. Uh, this is taking place in the Memorial Hall at Leongather, if anyone's down that way. Admission is $5. Children are free. It's featuring uh, a wide variety of flowers, floral art, pot plants, children's work and photography. There'll also be a plant stall. And it's the largest daffodil and flower show in Victoria. Well worth it. I was down there opening it last year. That's and, right, you were too. Great fun. Had a lovely time down there, so I definitely recommend a trip down to Lee and Gather today if you've got nothing else on. Mm. Wonderful. Spe- okay. Spe- spectacular this time of the year. That was oh, the, yes. The, the, the bulbs. Yeah. Absolutely. Now, a few things coming up. Um, this, the next Australian Plants Expo um, of Native and Indigenous Plants will be taking place uh, 9th to 10th of September. This will be held out at the Eltham Community and Reception Centre, which is at 801 Main Road in Eltham, 10am to 4pm for that one. Uh, Now, also, um, uh, there's another one I I should have here. Oh, of course, Kyneton also have their big Daffodil and Arts Festival, and that, in fact, has already opened, but it's running through until the 10th of September. So you've got a whole week to to catch up up on that one. Yep. Absolutely. And, of course, uh, coming up uh, as well, 14th of September and running right through to the 10th of October will be uh, the 64th Tesla's Tulip Festival. Goodness gracious, 64. 64, it's been If somebody had asked me, I'd never have guessed that long. No, I wouldn't have either. (laughs) So uh, than I am, goodness gracious me. (laughs) (laughs) So that's uh, taking place, of course, at Tesla's Tulip Farm, and the address of that is 357 Monbulk Road in uh, Sylvan. So that's... uh, that's uh, opening up 14th of September, running through till the 10th of October. Uh, now, also uh, getting back to um, Geelong, uh, Friends of Geelong Botanic Gardens have got their next day coming up on uh, next uh, Sunday, the 10th of September. Yes, next Sunday. Uh, Two o'clock for a walk, uh, looking at seeds, hedges and history. It's looking at the seed production beds for the Gradual reseeding of Eastern Park following weed eradication. Uh, also be looking at uh, plants for hedging in the demonstration beds near the conservatory and discovering a little bit of the history there. You meet the guide at the front steps at 2 o'clock uh, and entry is by a gold coin donation. So that's next Sunday, 2pm. Now, uh, <clears throat> coming up um, on the 13th of September... Uh, friends of Melton Botanic Gardens, uh, and you were just out there, Steve. Yes, yes, only a couple of weeks ago. Yep, yep. yep. Um, they're having um, a uh, a talk by Karen Sutherland um, on bush foods. Now, uh, Karen, of course, often comes on the program. She's owner of Edible Eden Design, and uh, she will be speaking all about bush foods and how to use them. The event is free and it will be followed by supper. I wonder if that includes bush foods. I uh, would imagine they'd attempt that at least. Surely you, know, you would you, think you, so. Yes. You, Absolutely. Uh, now, the venue is Botanica Springs Community Centre, which is at 249 Clarks Road in Brookfield. So that's Botanica Springs Community Centre, 249 Clarks Road, Brookfield. If you'd like more information, you can go to their website, which is fmbg.org, or you could phone John on 
3819. That's 9743-3819. Be very worthwhile, that one. Yeah. Absolutely, yep. Um, just uh, let me see when this one is coming up. This is also the 13th of September, so I should give this a mention. And uh, this is Friends of Burnley Gardens. They have a plant talk coming up, as I mentioned, on Wednesday the 13th of September. It will take place at um, University of Melbourne Burnley campus, which is at 500 Yarra Boulevard in Richmond. Six o'clock for their AGM, seven o'clock for drinks and nibbles, and 7.30 for the talk. Uh, it's free if you attend the AGM or it's $5 for members or $15 for visitors if you don't attend the AGM first. They just want a new president, I can tell. <laughs> it's a wicked and evil plan. It is a wicked and evil plan, <laughs> yeah. but there you go. Um, I don't know why everyone's so scared of AGMs. They usually last all of five minutes. Well, they do, and it's normally always sorted out and in place beforehand. Mm. So, exactly. You know, so it's not. It's very rare occur- occurrence that you end up at an AGM where suddenly they need a you new put treasurer on the spot. or, or whatever. Um, exactly. It doesn't normally happen, so don't be frightened. Yep. <laughs> Okay, so uh, basically the talk is being, it's an illustrated talk given by Jill Jill Kello. It's called Plants, Plants, Plants. Um, And it's uh, Jill's um, uh, summary of it is there's so much information on the web about plants. How do we sort the useful from the less useful? And much of the information comes from the Northern Hemisphere, especially England and the USA, where climate and soils are very different, obviously, from those in Australia. And uh, she says, what's wrong with the statement, uh, does well in a moist, fertile, well-drained soil? What's wrong with the word hardy? So she's going to be discussing all sorts of controversial points while showing you the Burnley Plant Guide, which is a Burnley-produced pictorial database of plants that can make your plant selection tasks a breeze. There you go. So uh, that's the talk, Wednesday, 13th of September, 7 o'clock for the AGM, 7... 30, sorry, 6 o'clock for the AGM, 7 o'clock for drinks and nibbles, and 7.30 for the talk. Stephen, of course, we should still mention uh, that you have this enormous plant fair coming up. Yes, that's right. The Garden Lovers Fair for 2017 will be on the 7th and 8th of October this year, so it's a little later. We normally had our plant fair in uh, September. But anyhow, 7th and 8th of October, uh, it will be at Bolabeck Gardens, which is on Mount Macedon Road, 370 Mount Macedon Road. It will be well signposted on the way up, but if you're coming up Mount Macedon Road off the Calder, um, it'll be on your right-hand side, and it's just before you get to the turn-off to the Macedon Village and what have you. So it'll be fairly well signposted. Uh, it's from 10 till 4 both days. Uh, the uh, gates will be open, and access to the car park area will be from 9.30 on both days. Um, we've got... I think around about 30 stallholders there this year. That's Um, great. uh, There'll be everything from Peter from Ewood. uh, There'll be... tool sellers, there'll be um, uh, all sorts of plants obviously but all sorts of other garden products as well uh, there will be coffee available there will be food available uh, there'll be Stephen Ryan's uh, Seville Orange Marmalade apparently available <laughs> okay. um, I'm sure that'll drag lots now and lots of people worth going yeah, for. Yeah, just for that um, uh, it's $10 which uh, uh, gives you entry to the fair and to Bolabeck Garden so you get to look around the garden as well children under 15 are free uh, uh, and if you can't spend the best part of a day there, I would be really surprised. Having said that, if you run out of things to do, you can always visit me up at the nursery. Uh, we, oh, and I meant to mention too, there are 
uh, a series of talks that are going to be going on during the day. On both days, I'll be down there doing some talks. Uh, I think Attila's coming to do some talks. Uh, Carolyn Blackman's going to be there. So we've got a, a series of different people. I think John Fordham is going to be there. Okay. So we've got quite a range of people who will be speaking on different topics throughout mm. the weekend as well. So you'll be able to sit down and uh, take a load off your feet from retail therapy uh, and listen to some of the speakers talk about their specific topics as well during the weekend. So it should be a good weekend all up. Absolutely. 7th and 8th of October. Fantastic. What's the situation like with parking at Bollebeck? Oh, good, because they've got a whole paddock. Okay. So we have a whole paddock and we have SES people there directing traffic and what have you. Uh, So you get right off Mount Macedon Road quite quickly uh, and then you... I I think the driveway is nearly a kilometre long. So you drive down the driveway and they have a a paddock up on the top side of the... the, flat area where we have the stalls and things set up uh, where you will be uh, directed for parking. So Perfect. It's, mm. it's a very good venue for uh, an event like this because we can take as many cars as needs be. The paddock is huge. I mean, there's 1,600 acres of paddocks there, but I don't think we'll be using all no, of those. No, no, no. I don't think you'll need uh, them. No, I think we'll only need the one. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, so parking is good. Um, there's a plant crash there, so you'll be able to put your plants aside and keep pottering around and what have you and picking them up before you go. I think we've got some kids with wheelbarrows taking things up to your cars as well. Oh, we did that better. last year. I'm, I'm pretty sure we're doing it again. Okay. Um, but I won't promise it, but I'm pretty sure that's happening again. Uh, I think that was helping the local scouts or whatever. Right. Uh, and, you know, so there's lots of different community things getting involved in it. So, um, uh, of course, the SES make money out of it as well. So, you know, they get, they get something out of the weekend too. So all the local community groups and things can get involved and and, and and help fundraise for them as well. Fantastic. So it's a really big th- event. Uh, it seems to be growing apace. Uh, if you want more information and a look at the speaker list and all that sort of thing, you can go onto the website, which is all one word, gardenloversfair.com.au, which is nice and easy. Um, and it's got all the details and things up on there and, and some images and things so that you can get a sense of what it's all about. Fantastic. Brilliant. Okay, as I mentioned, you are listening to the 3CR Gardening Show. We're running through until 9.15 this morning, our usual time slot. If you'd like to ring in and ask a gardening question this morning, we'd love to hear from you. That number is 94190155. That's 94190155. I do have some announcements which I'll come back to a little later, but Stephen, Mm. let's, let's talk plants for a minute. All right, yes, brought so in a, a few. Yes, I brought in a few interesting bits and pieces, and they're all sort of that wonderful group of shrubs, basically, that start to flower in the very late winter, uh, and you sort of feel spring is really exactly. coming. So they're, they're all plants that are worth having in the garden just to make you feel good as the, as the spring's coming on. I mean, if we do get snow tomorrow, um, it, it will feel like spring is a lot further off than it actually is. <laughs> I know it's supposed to have started already, but anyhow. But these shrubs will tend to sort of make you feel cheery about the fact that yeah, it's underway. So where do I start? I think I'll start with this one. Um I've bought in the red-flowered variety of this before. They're a group of shrubs, mainly from the Himalayas, called agapetes. Uh, and the red one's called Agapetes serpens, which is uh, a reasonably available shrub. Makes a great hanging basket subject. It's really good in a big tub. Uh, it's a good garden shrub. Um, they're easy growing. The birds love the flowers. Um, and they're sort of an arching, lax, gentle-looking plant, which I find really appealing. Uh, this Agapetes is quite a rare one, Agapetes smithii. Its name's not rare, but it, it is. <laughs> um, and smithii has really attractive bright sort of 
greeny yellow flowers on it and it has a sort of a dark calyx behind the flower so you get this sort of double colour mm. effect from the flowers mm. and this one really is so lax and floppy that it would either be a good hanging basket subject or as I'm growing it I'm twining it through a wire fence as an espalier mm. oh okay and it's only a, a so bar- it's got a bit of support mm. yeah so that it sort of holds it up because yep. the flowers hang under the branches so if you let mm. it flop across the ground you're not going to get the value you're not going to see it yeah. um, so I'm sort of training it backwards and forwards through a wire fence it's about oh, I suppose a metre and a half high, um, and it will just fan out along this wire fence. Lovely. Uh, and it's shade tolerant. It will cope with some sun. Uh, the agapetes are reasonably uh, drought tolerant once they get established because they produce a big lignotuber under them that holds a lot of moisture. Mm-hmm. And, in fact, you should never bury the lignotubers. They should be sitting above the ground. Okay. Um, they seem to grow better if they're getting air on the mm-hmm. lignotubers. Um, and... Like a lot of those sort of weird plants that do things like swollen bases and stuff, it can become part of the character of the plant anyway. Sure. Expose the lignotubers. And I found out something really interesting about Agapetes recently. I mean, I've always known they were in the Ericaceae family, um, but they're actually part of the group of the Ericaceae family that includes all of the neotropical blueberry relatives. Oh. And they get little berries on them. Um, I I haven't seen Smithy Eye with berries on, but the red one gets little white berries with sort of bright cherry red dots all over them, mm. uh, and they're edible. Mm. Um, so they they do produce edible fruit, uh, although one's got to assume that it's one of those things that you just pick and eat as you walk past. You'd never get enough of it to do anything with. Um, but it's nice to know that you can eat them. Yes. Uh, and I've started collecting quite a lot of plants in this sort of group because they, they extend all around the equator. Um, there's things in the Himalayas. There's things in South America, um, the Philippines, also all across that sort of tropical sort of band. There's members of this neotropical blueberry clan there's some from new guinea uh, and so mm. there we've got one or two in northern queensland and they all have edible berries of one form or another but wow. not always exciting no. I, i'm assuming some of them are probably quite bland and what have you yeah. but they all are actually edible so there you go so that's agapetes smithy eye and a lovely lovely lime green foliage oh it's a attractive foliage and the new growth comes out quite a nice sort of shrimpy color okay so they're nice as a foliage plant. And if you're looking for something for a little piece of fence on a little piece of wire mm, or something like that, that's a great that's not, idea. Not too rampant mm. or big growing. Um, a restrained little area, it could be ideal. Yeah. So consider the agapetes. My, um, my, my, my blueberries at this stage, they're little, little, tiny little white balls. Yeah, know, so you say be getting their flower buds and stuff. They, yeah, sure. Yeah. Just, just, yeah. yeah, so anyhow, so that's that one. And another one which serendipitously is edible as well uh, is Cornus Mass. Uh, commonly known as the Cornelian cherry, and it's a small deciduous tree. It'll get up to around about the four metre mark. Uh, becomes quite interesting and gnarly and rangy with age, and it gets minute little yellow flowers in clusters at this time of the year all over the bare stems. So it looks very pretty when it's in flower. Later in the season, it'll have a berry with a single seed inside. Um, oh, how do I describe the size of it? It'd be about the size of a currant. I suppose, Um, uh, bright red, uh, and they look nice hanging in the tree. And they taste quite good, uh, although there's not a great deal of flesh to them. And I have read, though not tried, that it makes a very good jelly, which is supposed to be the best jelly you can make if you're cooking gamey meat. Okay. So that sounds that, good. Yeah, it sounds good to me. You know, if somebody mm. wants to cook some gamey meat, I'll make them some mm. Cornelian <laughs> jelly. <laughs> um, and it also has quite attractive autumn foliage. 
And it's very much tougher to the heat and dry and other sundry things than the flowering dogwoods, the ones with the big bracty flowers mm, yeah, that people are aware of. Sensitive. Yeah, that mm. really should be up in the Dandenongs okay. or up at Macedon. Mm. Uh, but the Cornelian cherry uh, and its close relative Cornus officinalis from China uh, are reasonably easy to grow. There's certainly a lovely Cornus officinalis in the Botanic Gardens in Melbourne, which may mm. just about be over now, actually, because this one came off my plant at Macedon. And, of course, we're mm. a little later with the cooler higher altitude, yeah. uh, but there's a quite big um, cornus officinalis in the botanic gardens, and they also get quite nice bark with age, mm. so it's a really nice little tree. So there's two I've brought along which actually are edible. The other ones I've brought along aren't. Okay. <laughs> okay. Well, let's just go to our first caller next, and we have uh, Nick, who's out in Caroline Springs. Good morning, Nick. Good morning. Go ahead. Um, just... Well, I'm out of Caroline Springs and I had a look at this property and I had some Manchurian pears and I was sort of already... Um, it's a small townhouse courtyard mm. and it's got four Manchurian pears yeah. in the backyard. That they'll be out in flower at the moment? Um, yeah, definitely. Mm. Yeah. yeah. And um, I was just wondering, are the other roots, invasive uh, not more so than anything else but i mean i think if it's a very small courtyard and they've put four manchurian pears in it long term there will be some issues because they do get quite large um uh, but i don't think they're likely to do any great harm yeah they're already about three meters tall oh that's still babies yet Mm. Uh, could you prune them down but that from the top or that yeah, they're pear trees, so they're very prunable, uh, yeah. although you'll end up with a different shape potentially than you would if you allowed them to grow mm. as, a, as a normal tree. Um, but I think there's going to be a lot of Manchurian pears coming down over the years because not only do they get a little bigger than most people thought they were going to get and may well outgrow a space that you've got them in, but they also tend to be rather brittle in the wood and they have very strong V crotches in their branches and they tend to split in summer storms. Uh, so they may well come down to their own accord. Uh, I had three Manchurian pears in my own garden at Macedon for years and they got to a certain size and then they started losing limbs and I got sick of them and took them out. Um, and uh, I haven't regretted it since, really. Um, Nick, what would be the main problem there? Would you be worrying about paving in that courtyard or the closest to the house? Like, yeah, foundations yeah. of the house. Um, how, how far away from the house are they? Um, one of them was quite close to a brick property. It was probably only less than two metres, and the other two were sort of, like a border, which is maybe two and a half, three metres, but one was, yeah... I don't think that's necessarily a problem, Nick. Mm. Uh, Two metres away from a wall, unless the wall has been very poorly constructed, and who can tell, uh, it's more likely to be the wall's fault than the tree's Mm. fault if there's an issue. Yeah, I'm thinking about the plumbing as well. I'm not sure where the plumbing runs, but a lot of the, you know how roots, and try to get well, into the pipe. That's a bit of a furphy. If the pipes are well sealed, yeah, if they're proper yeah. poly pipes and they're well sealed, then yeah. the roots won't damage them. If it's a really yeah. old old house and you've got the old... Well, it won't be in Caroline Springs. No. <laughs> no. <laughs> right. no, it's a newish yeah. So I don't think you've got a problem yeah, I wouldn't piping. be too worried about plumbing. I don't think that's an issue. Um, as I say, if they weren't properly put in by the original plumber and there's leaking in the pipes or something, well, then you're going to get mm. problems because the roots will go searching for it. But if all the piping is properly sealed, there's very little likelihood that you're going to have a problem. 
Sorry, uh, is the Manchurian pear, that's only an ornamental, isn't yeah. it? Yeah, yeah, it doesn't yeah. produce... Well, there's actually... Oh, this is going to make it more complicated. Uh, the tree that is sold as a Manchurian pear all over Victoria isn't, in fact, the true Manchurian pear. Uh, yeah. It's actually a form of Pyrus calariana, so it's, yep. a, it's a calorie pear. Um, and it came into, this, into the country. Somebody imported some Manchurian pears. The story goes that they were budded stock. The top fell out of it. The, the understock grew. They thought that was the Manchurian pear, and they started um, budding the understock onto understock. Uh, and that's how this Manchurian pear thing got around. But the true Manchurian pear actually does produce a fruit, although it's not usable. Uh, the calorie pear is a hybrid, and it's it's basically sterile, so it won't produce any fruit of any note. So yes, it's not an edible pear, and it shouldn't produce any fruit. No, but it's not really a Manchurian pear. Sorry, and if you if you want to take them out, do you have to? Um, is that an expensive process? And do you have to take the whole? Can you cut them just down to the stump, or do you have to take the whole? Stumper. You could cut them off at the stump, but then you'd have to poison the stumps because they'd shoot yeah. from the stumps again. But you could oh, just right. put, uh, cut them off and poison the stumps. Uh, yeah. There's no real reason why you shouldn't do that, and then the stumps will slowly rot away in the ground. Um, it's certainly cheaper than having them grubbed, and if it's in a courtyard, you won't be able to get machinery in to grub them out. So that would mean um, doing it by hand, which is quite a labour-intensive and potentially expensive job. So if I decided I wanted to get rid of them, I'd just cut them off and poison the stumps uh, and then plant something else nearby but not on top of the same stump. Thank you for your advice. Sorry to bother you. That's, That's a pleasure, fine. Nick. That's what we're here for, Nick. Yeah. Oh, thank you. Okay, okay bye. Bye-bye. All right, that number again. If you'd like to join us this morning, uh, we would love to hear from you. 94190155. We have Stephen Ryan and Graham Morrison in the studio. So do give us a call, 94190155. Back to your plans, Stephen. All right. Um, well, actually, one that I have always been terribly fond of and I find terribly hard to sell because it's only for a few weeks in the late, um, late winter where it really shows its stuff. And so most of the rest of the year, it sits around looking fairly ordinary. But it's a shrub from Korea uh, called Abeliophyllum. And it's related to the Forsythias, the yellow Forsythias. It's in the same family, quite closely related. But it has very small white flowers with a slightly pinkish stain to them that come out of dark brown, almost black flower buds. And it's a little sort of archy shrub. Uh, so in a pot, it's sort of gangly and spindly looking. But when it gets going in the garden, it actually has quite an elegance about it. But mm. you've got to see it as a biggish shrub before you start realising just how nice it is. And because of its, in, its sort of informal shape, it's actually quite good for filling a sort of an odd-shaped pot spot in a in a border or whatever okay so it'll just sort of flop out and fill sort of an irregular spot in a border um it's reasonably hardy it's certainly cold hardy it comes from korea where we're in particularly in the northern parts of the korean peninsula it gets very cold in the winter um and it's on the endangered species list and the way north korea is going at the moment it might be even more endangered yeah, than we thought and um it um, will cope with a fairly sunny spot as long as it doesn't get deadly dry. Um, it's quite pretty for picking. Uh, it's slightly mm. perfumed. Uh, and so Abeliophyllum disticum. Uh, and it's, um, there's only the one species. There 
is a slightly more pink version of it um, that's been discovered, but basically there's there's not a lot of diversity in it. And the name abeliophyllum means that it has leaves like an abelia. So anybody who has an abelia in the garden would have a sense of the leaf shape of an abeliophyllum. Uh, its leaves go a soft yellow in the autumn. Nothing too exciting, but they do do something. Okay. Um, and I think it's a charming little shrub that almost um, looks like a heath when you just look at it from the yeah there. from a distance so you could distance. Yeah. 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 But when you look at it really closely, you can see yeah. the similarity to Forsythia. It's okay. got that same sort of mm. four-petaled sort of little belly-type flower that you get with Forsythia. So Abeliophyllum disticum, which I think is lovely. And another scented thing that – and there's a lot of scented things at this time of the year. I mean, there's lots of Daphne out. There's lots of things that are scented. Uh, this is one of the Osmanthuses, uh. and it's it's supposed to be a – selection of Os- Osmanthus delavei. Um but I think there's some hybridity in it because its leaves are much, much bigger than straight Osmanthus delavei, and it's as close to the pearly gates as I hope to get for a long time because it's a cultivar called pearly gates. Right. Okay. <laughs> yeah. there's, two, there's two varieties out there, one called pearly gates and one called heaven scent. Um, <laughs> and they're similar. The only difference seems to be that one flower is slightly earlier than the mm. other. They're evergreen shrubs that seem to get up to around about a metre, metre and a half, although I haven't had it long enough to know what it can do yet. Um, uh, they are PBR'd as far as I know, so okay. they're, they're shrubs that you uh, you can't just propagate and sell on. Uh, you have to buy them from registered growers. Um the Osmanthuses are generally fairly hardy, easygoing shrubs. This actually could be quite a, a good alternative to box as a hedging plant. Mm, no, really. be wonderful. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's not going to grow quite as tight yeah. as a box, yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. but I think it could still make quite a nice mm, with, comparatively low yeah, with, border hedge. With, okay. with trimming. Yeah, yeah with yeah, a bit of trimming yeah, you'll yeah, make sure. it reasonably mm. compact and it will still flower down the stem. So even if you're trimming the edges off it, you'll still get flowers inside the plant. Mm. So you'd still get the perfume flowers in the spring. Uh, seems to be reasonably hardy. It doesn't seem to have any particular... Failings. It seems to be reasonably heat tolerant. It's certainly cold tolerant. Uh, and so well worth looking out for. So that's Pearly Gates. And as I said, the other cultivar is called Heaven Scent. Uh, and they're sold as forms of Osmanthus delavei. But um, I'm not. I'm not convinced there's something about them that's a bit different. So okay. anyhow, I'd love to know where they exactly came from and who, who bred them and, and find out from them how they arose because they both look quite similar okay. and they both don't look like Osmanthus delavei in its wild form particularly. So, yep. yeah, yeah, I have reservations. But um, very pretty shrub. And another thing that has a bit of a perfume to it, well, it's sort of a soft, subtle, musky scent, um, is what's commonly known as the yellow paper daphne, um, edgewarthia. Uh, it's a shrub from Japan and China. Uh, they call it a paper daphne because they actually used to use, and I assume don't now, but used to use the bark uh, to make a quite high-quality paper okay. on which apparently the yen used to be printed. So money does grow on trees. Um, uh, it gets these lovely clusters of golden yellow flowers with a white reverse to the to the little trumpets in clusters like a daphne. They are in the same family as daphne, so they are quite closely related. Uh, it's a deciduous shrub up to around about metre and a half to two metres tall. Uh, it tends to sort of come up and branch and branch and branch, so you end up with a sort of almost umbrella-shaped shrub. Uh, so you can underplant it with early daffodils or dark hellebores or something mm. to make an interesting combination. Um, a point of war- or two points of warning with Edgeworthy, it, it, um, it is attractive to slugs and snails even as a well-grown plant, and you'll often find mm. slugs and snails will crawl up into the plant to eat the leaves mm. off it. And young plants can actually have all their growing tips taken out by oh. slugs and snails, mm. so you've got to be a bit careful of that. Mm. And secondly, the bark is like, is like boot laces. 
Uh, it's so gnarly. Yeah, it is gnarly. It's, it's strange. But uh, if you try and pluck a piece off the plant, and I'm trying to break it here, and it's not going to do any of the things I said it would. Uh, uh, if you try and pluck a piece off, you're likely to rip the bark oh, all, the down all the way down the plant. Mm. Uh, okay. So you must use a pair of sharp secateurs yes. if you're going to cut it. And if anybody goes out to pick a piece off your plant, you've got to smack them immediately. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, because you could easily rip the bark all, all the, way the way down, down. the trunk, oh. uh, which would be, well, it would be horrifying. Absolutely. Uh, did it happen? So I think Edgewarthy is lovely. This particular one is a cultivar called Grandiflora, which has extra large flowers mm. and extra heavy stems. Um, uh, and it's Edgewarthia chrysantha. Um, and there is also one out there called Red Dragon, which is sort of an orangey red coloured one. Um, and there are one or two other species in the genus, but it's a very small group of plants. Uh, and I think something a little bit different and interesting yeah, to grow. D- in the different garden. it is, you know, yeah. just the actual form and the flower. You don't see many things like that. Yeah. So it's about an in- 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 intercross, and they've got all these little 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 yeah. little like a little pom 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 arrangement. Yeah, I think That's it's a, a charming yeah. plant. Yeah. And so I've got one of those in flower in the garden at the nursery at the moment. It's causing quite a lot of comments, so uh, uh, Edgeworthy is worth looking out for. It won't grow well in the hottest, dry spots you can find, but somewhere where it perhaps got the morning sun, afternoon shade, somewhere with reasonably well-drained but not overly dry soil. Um, treat it much as you would a classical Daphne, really, uh, in most respects. So I think it's rather... I'm, I'm, rather... I'm, I'm intrigued. It's got so much personality. Oh, it is. It's a plant so, with so, great personality. So, so different, yes. really. Yeah, yeah. 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 But, but, I mean, you look at the bark and yeah. you think it's come off a... Two hundred year old tree. Yes, it's got all this funny knobbly bits where all the leaves drop off and stuff. It's fascinating. Yeah, Yeah, so it is. It's and when you see the plant in the garden, it's almost like a dwarf frangipani. It's got that sort of stiff, okay, hard look, but not as thick as stems, obviously. No, but but that sort of look about it that you get with a frangipani. Yep. Uh, So even when it's not in flower, it often causes comment. You know, people say, "What the dickens is that thing?" You know, and it has quite large leaves. They're they're long and narrow, um, more or less. Daphne shaped, I guess, uh, but in a softish green. Okay. So, yes, yeah, so Edgewarthia papifera, the Japanese yellow paper Daphne. And I think it's a great Fantastic. One. So, well worth looking out for. As I said, there's three forms out there that, uh, that are somewhat available commercially the normal form, this Grandiflora, and one called Red Dragon. I thought of a term, t- t- term there exaggerated uh, leaf, leaf scars. Yeah. Or le- le- yeah. They are yeah, a little, little bit like you know you see some of the uh, uh, palm trees. They've got those little sort of as, as the leaves come off, you get the scar sort of yeah, thing, you know, yeah. all, all the way up. Yeah, yeah, it is. It's it's vaguely like that. And finally, although it's slightly wilted from being in a plastic bag in the car all night, um, a shrub that I'm terribly fond of is a thing called Keria japonica. Okay. Uh, now you normally see Keria japonica in its double flowered form, so it gets these yellow pom-pommy things all over it and it's vigorous and it suckers like mad and you end up with a huge big colony of it and it's all very pretty in the spring when it's in flower but the wild form with the single flowers is a completely different beast it's really interesting uh it's light and airy it doesn't tend to sucker all over the place like the double flowered form does i'm wondering whether the double form is actually tetraploid or or something else it's it's genetically it's different from the single form because it has a quite different habit Yeah, and yeah. A, a huge vigour, grows much taller. The, the double-flowered form can easily get up to two and a half, three metres tall, whereas the single-flowered form rarely grows above a metre uh, height. And its branches come out and they arch over in the most elegant form and it has these little single yellow rose-like flowers um, with the new foliage coming out, which is a really soft green and heavily veined. Uh, and it's just... 
the most elegant little shrub. Mm. It's just so pretty. And it flowers for weeks and weeks and weeks and weeks and weeks in the late winter spring. Uh, it's out with all the daffodils and all of the sort of yellow of spring, so it sort of fits into the theme. Um, and again, it's a hardy shrub. Um, you rarely see the single form for sale. In fact, you don't even see the double form around much anymore. Uh, I haven't seen people selling the double form for ages. Uh, in fact, I'll probably end up having to go back to growing some of the double one because I always thought of it as the common one right. and didn't bother. <laughs> yeah. uh, but I've had the occasional person asking me for it now. And I also have a form that has a white edge to the leaf, a variegated form called Picta, which is even dwarfer again. It only grows to probably 90 centimetres each way, has a silver edge around the leaf, but it's not as heavy a flower as either the wild form or the double-flowered form. But its foliage is very pretty. So Keria japonica, so it's spelt with a K, K-E-R-R-I-A. And it's, again, a monotypic genus, so there's only the one species in the genus, but there's a couple of different forms of it sort of lurking around. And I think it's a charming, underutilised shrub, actually. Well, it reminds me a little bit of was the Forsythia uh, and in overseas, you know, I think specifically we're in Austria and these little bright, you know, click, 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 clumps of yellow, bright yellow flowers. Yeah. Uh, Planted quite extensively around, you know, so so much more than you ever see them in Australia. Yeah, it's, it's, well, I you, guess. Do, do, do you like the Forsythias? I, I don't mind Forsythia. The only issue I have with some of the Forsythias is that they're sort of rather gangly. Okay. Yes. And so, yeah. you know, unless they're mm. well treated pruning wise, mm. you end up with this sort of sticky, twiggy thing that goes mm. out everywhere. I mean, they're lovely in flower and they're nice mm. for picking for the house. But I guess mm. we're spoiled in Australia because when the Forsythia comes out, we've already got masses of wattle. Yeah. And so yeah. I don't think Forsythia will ever be as common enough, here. Enough yellow around. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, and of course, our Australian wattles are sort of iconic plants yeah, yeah. that, you know, we live with and we love. That's right. Um, and Forsythia, I don't think, is ever going to. To compete. No. Uh, whereas the Kerry is a different animal in a way. It's just such a nice, light, little airy shrub yep. that I think it deserves to be able to have a spot in the garden. Yeah. So, but for Scythia, as pretty as it is um, and great for picking, I don't think it'll ever be that commonly grown here. It's about a little bit. You can buy for Scythia if you want it. Mm-hmm. Uh, but how you place it in the garden is really important because it, it can be a sort of a lumpy, stodgy bush at times. Mm. And of course, if people trim them back with a pair of head shears, they tend to make them worse. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah and sure. I've seen that as well. Yes. Mm. Okay. <laughs> Wonderful. Um, now, I wanted to quickly mention um, a book that has just been very newly released uh, by Murdoch Books. Um, it's called The New Australian Garden. Now, um, we've had plenty of debates over the years about uh, what uh, what a, an Australian um, garden really looks like. Yes. Well, this is a book. Um, it actually features um, 18 landmark Australian gardens. They are all um, Sydney-centric, so they're all around um, Sydney. Many of them have been photographed for the very first time, and it's looking at um, very, very, um, in many cases, very, very modern um, new Australian landscape gardening. Now, it's written by Michael Bates. Now, Michael Bates started his career as a nursery apprentice. Um, He then uh, was mentored by a Japanese master landscape architect um, before founding his own uh, landscape business. Now, um, he has created over a 1,000 gardens and uh, works with many uh, other New South Wales um, uh, landscape designers on really cutting-edge landscape design. Uh, One of the features in the book is that um, 
many of the uh, of the gardens have uh, reimagined traditional lawn areas as contoured sculptural forms um, and it's really quite it's almost a shock to see what they've done with some of these mm. um, the use of lawns and the shapes they've they've turned them into so that they're they're virtually uh, works of art so it's fascinating um, but anyway as I say there's uh, there's 18 gardens uh, photographed in all the photography is by Jason Bush um, some of the gardens described and photographed also include conversations with the landscape architect and the architect of the house. So the whole idea is to um, to show you how the design of the house and the garden fit together, um, presumably one blending into the mm, other. Yeah. And uh, it also includes um, a plan of each garden and a plant list, which is always useful. Uh, now, as I say, many of them show very lush plantings because of the Sydney climate, and uh, the book ranges from very, very modern design to some heritage listed properties as well. Now, as I say, it's it's just just been released uh, just at the end of August. Um, I do have one copy. If anyone is interested in this, the photography is absolutely beautiful. It is a big hard copy book, so it would make a wonderful gift or it's a coffee table book, mm. um, certainly. Uh, one for definitely thumbing through, looking at the photographs. There's plenty of ideas there for your own gardens, even if you can't do a, a grand um, lawn uh, <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> architectural design. There's some interesting plant but, combinations yes. too. The book, uh, having had a little flick through it before the program started, um, there's some really nice textural quality photos that give you sort of a sense of how to use different plant material together. Uh, and so you might not, in fact, use the same plant material, but you can get an idea of how things can combine and, and look good mm. together. And they've often, they've often, the other thing that intrigued me was that they've taken into account with a lot of these gardens also what they look like, what the plant, textural plant look is from windows, from up above. Mm. So they don't just show you at, at garden level. Yeah. So um, I'm, I'm glad that, that many designers are looking at that so it's a it's a multi-dimensional mm. um, design. The other interesting thing about the book too is when you talk about Australian garden, uh, it's not about Australian native plants. I mean, it includes Australian native plants in it, but it's using a broad palette of plants oh, from yes. all over the world. So there's succulents in it, there's palms, there's all sorts of things in the gardens. Uh, so there's no sort of uh, specific attention to Australian native plants per se, but it's evoking hopefully an Australian feel. Absolutely. Right. So, so I think it's quite an interesting book. And, yeah, yeah, very interesting, if, if, particularly if you're interested in looking at um, a whole new concept of Australian design, then I think you would find it fascinating. Now, the recommended retail price is $59.99. Uh, we do have one copy only, um, which I'm happy to offer as a supporter segment this morning uh, to try and raise some very necessary money for 3CR Gardening Show and the station uh, in general. So if you would like to grab hold of this copy for $60, um, do uh, give Vicky a call now on 94190155. Now you can, it's too heavy to post. The postage would cost way too much. I'm sure Stephen would I'd be happy up, to take yeah. it up to the nursery. Yeah, I'd read it before you got it, but you know, <laughs> I, I would be happy to take it we up. We won't buy you from that. <laughs> <laughs> or, of course, you could pick it up from 3CR during office hours during the week. So uh, if you'd like uh, this particular copy, um, just in time to think about 
there's a present I've done already for Christmas. Yeah, exactly. Um, or you could surprise Dad today. Oh, there you yes, go. you could rush into the station. And well, get rush it up to Stephen's <laughs> nursery. Up to my nursery, yes. yes you. And you could buy a nice plant to go with it. <laughs> but that number to speak to Vicky, if you'd like this copy, nine four one nine zero one double five. Okay, we'll go to our next caller, and uh, let me see. We have uh, Philip, who's in North Richmond. Good morning, Philip. Uh, yes, good morning, Pam and Stephen and Graham. Um, um, I have a couple of questions, I think, for Graham, mm-hmm. uh, making okay. one of his rare appearances. Yes. Um, so. the, the, um, and both uh, citrus-related. Um, the first one is following up on um, a recommendation of Graham's from quite some time ago, and I know other listeners yeah, have work, work, work uh, called up, up okay. and, he, <laughs> and he knows what it is probably, uh, the Tangelo Orlando, yes. uh, yeah. which I tried to track down after Graham mentioned this mid-last year, mm. um, called various nurseries up mm. across the border from Batuca or somewhere Swan Hill, uh, other places, and haven't been able to track it down. Mm. Just wondering if he's first up with his head. Any luck or suggestions with that, Philip? Unfortunately, no. No, no. I, I did check. I think even after the program, when somebody yep. <laughs> else said it was difficult, uh, there's, a, there's, a, there's a guy Tolly up in Renmark, Ren whether yeah, right. or to, to Tolly's Nursery, whether you you, you uh, okay. Google no. that one, and he, he knows more Tolly. about citrus okay. in Australia than anybody else in the in the field. But uh, yeah. so, sorry about that. I've, I've got. No. A, I, I have a, a tree at home of this uh, Orlando Tangela, and uh, certainly, you know, if you wanted a bud from it, I'd be, you know, more than happy happy to supply that. A little bit early to put a bud on, on citrus, and yet I think probably in November would be uh, uh, early enough to to t- take a bud. But uh, if you if you wanted, uh, if you if you gave me a, a, a ring in that time, I'd supply uh, supply some budwood for you. Are you, are you, uh, you know, ad- adapted to putting a putting a bud in some graft grafting. Um, I haven't. I am mm. familiar with the practice. I've seen others yeah, do it, sure. but haven't done it myself. Yeah, 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 sure. Yeah. Look, look, Philip, I'll, I'll give you my, my mobile over the phone. That's a bit dangerous, I suppose. But uh, you, you got a pen there? Yes, I, I yeah, have. Sure, Graham. sure. That's zero four one eight four eight eight four eight two six one zero two six one zero. So it's zero four one eight four eight two six one zero. Yes. And I might add too, Philip, if you do yes, find this seven. thing commercially available anywhere, do ring three CR and let us know. Yeah. Because there will be other people like yourself trying yeah. to track it down. Mm. And if somebody does find out where to buy it from, they're it about be... to make a fortune. Yeah, yes, <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, right. I understand that, and I have tuned in since Graham first mentioned it, and I think it's yeah. probably twelve months ago. Yeah, I've heard other people. Okay. Um, mm. Also, call in when Graham's made yes. Uh, yes. an appearance. Yeah. So, we all need yeah. to know where Orlando's yeah. available yeah. if it is. <laughs> I, 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 yeah. I must yeah. do some more work. I, I, I know the boys at Murray Valley, they're the big citrus, citrus grow, growers. And I must get to the the top well, of the top. Give them a push. I give the top of the tree. So they must have got to bud this and get 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 going because it's a really it is a, a special citrus tree to grow. My word. Yes, I remember yeah. you saying that. Mm. All right, now my my other citrus question, and um, this may intrigue Stephen as well. Um, a, a few nights ago, I was watching a um, 
a, a cooking show related to uh, Latin American food. And um, th- there was a discussion about the use of a citrus called lima, which is not a lemon or a lime, and it's used because of its extreme um, low acidity. Um, so, of course, it intrigued me, and I spent about the next two hours online. <laughs> As you do. Um, yes. You know, trying to sort, trying to find serious horticultural uh, websites which had some, um, some, some detail, and certainly a lot of discussion even online about it. But um, it, it seems that um, it, it's called the sweet lime, um, and there was a suggestion that it may be the Palestinian sweet lime, and the species name given for that is um, uh, Citrus lim, uh, Limetoides, L-I-M-E-T-T-I-O-I-D-E-S. Um, of course, so, and it says that it's possibly a hybrid. Um, it's apparently available in the United States and is grown in the United States, but I'm just, uh, through my searching, I couldn't find any link to any reference um, anywhere in Australia. And I'm just wondering, as a, as a fruit tree expert, if you may have uh, uh, come across or heard of this. No, you, you, you got me there, Philip. I'm, 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 I'm unaware of that one. They do... You know, they've got, got a pretty good uh, uh, propensity to uh, uh, hybridise and there's so many, you know, that, 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 that have developed in, on the face of the earth. But no, yeah. I, I, I don't know that little, little, little Lima. We, we got to Lima when we were in South America. But uh, yeah. uh, then the, the other one that uh, Columbia Sweet Lime is another one that we grew and that's a little bit on the bland side, but it's, you know, just just looks looks like a lemon. But you 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 get into it, and it's it's it, it, it's sweet of anything. There's, there's none, none of that tart or sour sourness in okay. a Palestine Palestinian or whatever it is. Mm. Uh, sweet, sweet lime as as well, but yeah. uh, no, and it was uh, it was sort of rough skinned too. Okay. So oh, there, there it, it, was, it was actually shown. It was mm, about the size yeah, of a lemon yeah, or a lime, yeah, but yeah. instead of being yeah, smooth then, skinned, it then, was quite, then, quite then, rough. Then you think of our uh, citronella or r- 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 rough lemon, uh, which has certainly got a, a, a rough r- rough skin to it. Uh, and that, that, that's a, that's a, that's a reading the literature, and even with our several oranges, is a smooth skin several and a rough r- r- rough skinned several. Mm. Look, I've got the name down that you put there, and I'll, 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 I'll have a bit of a, bit of a <laughs> yeah. search as well. Uh, dear Philip, you're, you're not helping us today. You're giving us <laughs> no, you're giving us lots of work. I know. All right. Look, can, can, and can I just ask a quick one? Yeah. Um, at a Burnley Friends of Sale two years ago, even though I didn't have the space in my small uh, backyard in North Richmond, I did buy a bare-rooted apple tree because they were having a fundraising day. Yes. Um, and I have it in a large tub. It's been in two years. I didn't prune it last year, and mm-hmm. I understand that the, uh, the um, thinking these days is to reduce growth not to winter prune, but mm. it's grown to about two and a half metres in a tub, you've and looked, it's looked quite it. My goodness, wild. That's, that's a quick grow. You, you've done well, my word. Yeah, yeah. yeah I, I guess 
You know, the old, the old way to go when we planted our t- trees in the orchard days, go, go, going back, I suppose, to, to 30, 50 years, uh, we, we pruned them really hard, you know, let them come out. That they've, they've fallen away from that now and they don't prune them anywhere near as hard. But I, I guess it's a, a thing in a pot like that, it's really more for shape than anything else. Yeah. Once, once they start to put their spurs in, you can look, look after the little spurs. Of course, that's from the flowers and fr- 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 fruit come from. And you've got to know the difference between a, a spur, spur and, a, and a twig, which you would, you, you would soon, soon, soon pick up. But yeah. uh, I think it's, uh, Philip, just for shape at this stage of the game, give, give, yeah. give, give it a bit of shape. If one part is get, get, get getting away, be a bit brutal, come come, come back on that part. Uh, yeah. Okay, so all the leaves have finally dropped. So I was wondering mm. whether I, sh- I should actually try and take a bit off now because mm. it's so wild or hold off till yeah. you know, I, you, February you, you, or something. You, you, you'd be fine to do it now. Yeah, I, I, okay. I, I, I give it a light prune now and just watch it through, 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 through the end. Assuming summertime, and you can you know, do a little bit more trim there, is a way to go. Mm. Yeah. yeah, all right. Thank you very much for, you, for that one. Um, yeah. I enjoyed your um, reminding me of uh, your travels around the Iberian Peninsula. Yes. I was fortunate enough mm. um, three years ago, about this time, to yes. also be in uh, yeah. uh, Seville and yeah. Um, yeah. San Sebastian yeah. and uh, Portugal. Yeah. So, uh, so much, yes, hi- I, so much history there, as well as the, my plant love. And, uh, yes, yeah, yes, thanks, yes. Thanks, yes. Yeah. And as you say, all yeah. the uh, Seville oranges fallen on the footpath. <laughs> yeah, okay. <laughs> outside the cathedral. So, there, if you were there with your mother, she could slip on one, and then you'd have your marmalade. <laughs> Oh, oh, oh sorry. Yes, yeah, thank you, Stephen. That's what we uh, expect from you. Yes, it is. <laughs> well, then I'm glad I've lived up to expectations. You have, as always. Okay. All right. Thanks a lot, Philip. Appreciate that anyway. Thank you. Good on you, Philip. Bye. Bye. Okay, bye now. <laughs> and uh, let me see. Next up, we have our good friend Fermi. Good morning, Fermi. Good morning. It must be Father's Day because I'm hearing plenty of dad jokes. Yes, <laughs> you are. Yeah, yes, you are. Sorry. <laughs> uh, apart from ringing in for the book, which Stephen gets to read before yeah, I that's do. Oh, he's delighted. <laughs> Would you like me to deliver it when I come up to do my talk for the um, uh, Alpine Garden Society? <laughs> yeah, that would probably be about the best time. Then. Yes, I think. <laughs> um, I wanted to say uh, Abelia Fillum was one of the... Um, First shrubs I ever noticed because it was growing in the um, uh, at the boarding school I was uh, at in back in the seventies. Oh, right! And um, it was just planted out in a courtyard. There was a court, like a central courtyard, and uh, there was a shrubbery all around, all the way around. And uh, the Abelia Fillum was one of the things, and I thought, oh, a white forsythia. Yeah, well, exactly. That's sort of what it looks like. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and it strikes me as odd that it showed up in a school garden. It must have been somebody there at one stage who was a bit of a planty. Oh uh, yeah, well, the brothers were a little bit planty, I think, back in those days. There you go. Um, uh, yeah, it was. Um, I can't. I remember they also had chimenanthes. Yeah. Okay. So somebody had uh, designed the. Um, this courtyard garden, it was sort of like, um, I don't know, a quadrangle or a pentagram or something like that. And uh, on each side, there was different plants. So it wasn't just you know, a boring mix of uh, 
of uh, Tinia uh, and uh, and Loristinus or something. Um, <laughs> yes. yeah. So, but it, yeah, it's one of my early recollections of being interested in shrubs was uh, was that one. Oh, but do you think go. that would grow up here, Stephen? I think it would. Uh, I wouldn't put it in the hottest, dry spot you could find in Reedsdale, uh, yeah. but it'll certainly cope with your winter cold. Um, it's the hot. It's the heat that I'm. I'm yeah, well, the heat about. would be something I would you'd need to take into consideration. So if you could put it somewhere where it sort of had perhaps an overhanging tree or yeah. something like that that took the heat of the day when it's really at its worst off the plant, um, I think it would be worth a try because I think it's actually a lot hardier than people give it credit for. Oh, well, we might have to come up to the nursery before you, before you talk then. Yes, well, and then you... <laughs> well, don't come too quickly. I won't have a chance to read the book. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks very much, everyone. <laughs> All right, you. see you later, Fermi. Bye. Bye. <laughs> Pam, Pam, th- talking about books, uh, another recent release was Simon Rickard's book. I whether you, you spoke about that one at all. But our friend Simon Rickard, who has spoken on this, takes garden tours, which, which, which I att- attended one. He's got a, a book called Heirloom Vegetables, a guide to their history and varieties. So that would be a, a, a good read too. He's, he's a real de- yes, de- yes. De- dedicated guy. Yes, he, yeah. he was. we got him on the program when that yeah. book first oh, came out. There, there so. you go. Yeah. You're, yep. you're aware of that. I was wondering. I'm sure it's still thing. available out there and well oh, worth I'm sure buying. it still yeah. is. Yep. <laughs> the other thing, if you don't mind, I went up to Ronnie, Ronnie Bocal to get some uh, tree, tree, tree peonies off him through, 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 the, through the week. And he said, give, give, me a, give, give me a plug, Graham, sort of thing. <laughs> <laughs> he said, you know, with these tree peonies, I don't know what's your opinion of them, but they are a gorgeous flower, the tree tree. Oh, yeah. oh they are. Fabulous thing. Yeah, so a gorgeous one. And he's, he's just a specialist up there. He's got all the, the uh, uh, information about how to, how to grow, 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 grow them, c- 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 cultivate them, and he's got so many for sale. So uh, for the people out there that want a, a lovely flower for their garden, the tree peony is a consideration. Now, you've given me the most perfect segue, Graham. Thank oh, yeah. you. Oh, that's good. Without knowing it. <laughs> okay. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> because um, talking about Simon Rickard, Simon is going to run a series of three botanical workshops nice. coming up. Mm. Um, now, uh, these are going to be set in the elegant surrounds of Trentham's Casa Allegra, mm-hmm. um, which has a beautiful old garden. I, I Googled it to have a quick look. Um, now, it consists, um, there, as I say, there are three workshops, but it's three full-day workshops. Now, um, each, each day consists of a morning and an afternoon workshop session with a seasonal lunch and a glass of wine provided oh, yes. by Emma James, uh, formerly of Star and East in Kyneton, in between. Now, uh, workshop one is September the 21st, which is Welcome Back Spring. Now, uh, this will be um, uh, celebrating the spring equinox with a peek at Simon's Woodland Garden, followed by a workshop on sowing vegetables from seed and an introduction to heirloom vegetables. Um, So uh, Simon will reveal what makes seeds tick because many people will find they sow seeds one year, get a bumper crop, the next year abject failure and he'll be going into all of that. Then after lunch he'll give a presentation on heirloom vegetables, where they came from and what they tell us about. Now day uh, two is uh, October the 26th, so there's one each month because day three is November the 30th, so you have a a month in between each workshop. Um, Workshop two is, um, would you believe, an audience with the Flower of Heaven, which is... um, 
which is exactly what we were talking about. We'll be looking at uh, Simon Rickard's private collection of tree peonies during hey, peak bloom. There we go. Um, <laughs> yes, so he'll be he'll be looking at uh, at uh, the cultivation of the tree peony in the morning session. Then after lunch, he'll give a presentation on the fascinating history of the tree peony from its humble beginnings as a medicinal plant to its elevation as the coveted king of flowers and also sharing his tips on cultivation. Now, finally, Workshop 3, which I said is on November 30th, is uh, entitled of Birds, Bees and Flowers, The Sex Life of Plants. And uh, in the morning, uh, Simon will be uh, doing a presentation on the astonishing sex life of plants. And then after lunch, a ramble around the beautiful gardens at Casa Allegra in their spring glory. So, um, and he'll be going through each plant, uh, having a story as he shares the science, history and legend behind some of the plants in the garden. Now, uh, the cost for these workshops, um, $160 per head for one full day of workshop. Um, if you would like to go to all three as a series package, 430 per head. Now, as I mentioned, all workshops include morning tea, lunch with a glass of wine and afternoon tea. Um, attendees will require their own transport for travel between event uh, venues. Now, for tickets, uh, you go to ticketebo.com.au forward slash Rickard Garden Series. So that's Ticket Ebo, that's spelling ticket with an E-B-O on the end, ticketebo.com.au forward slash Rickard Garden Series for tickets for that one. If you'd like to make a general inquiry about it, uh, you can call Charmaine. Her number is 0425 753 235 0425 753 235. Okay, we'll go quickly to uh, Jill from the Herb Society. Good morning, Jill. Good morning, Pam, Stephen, and Graham. Um, this Thursday, John Dwyer, um, who's written a fantastic book, um, Weeds, Plants, and People, is coming to speak to us at Burnley, room 10, and that's 500. Yarra Boulevard, and be there sort of 7.15 for 7.30 this Thursday night. And there will also be a short talk as well, and a herb supper. So visitors are welcome. Our visitors are $5 and members are free. And there's uh, usually plants and cuttings to be had as well. So John Dwyer um, will be selling his book. I don't know the price of the book, but um, he's a lawyer who's passionate about herbs and especially weeds and their usefulness. So that'll be a fantastic um, presentation. Excellent. Thanks, Pam. Okay, thanks, Jill. Bye. Bye. Uh, now, before we go to Graham and some of the other um, uh, produce that he's brought in this morning, the other one that um, I need to mention, and this again is... <clears throat> One for the diary. Um, now, every year um, recently, uh, there's been a series of tours uh, run um, out of the Dandenongs entitled Secret Gardens of the Dandenong Ranges. Now, this is going to take place again. 
Uh, there's going to be five separate tours over five uh, separate um, uh, weekends. Now, it's starting, the very first one is 12th of October, then 13th of October, 14th of October, oh, sorry, um, uh, 20th of October and 21st of October. So they're all Thursdays, Fridays or Saturdays. Uh, now, the whole idea is that um, you all meet together you jump on a bus and you go and see some amazing gardens that are not normally open to the public. Some are, some aren't, um, all spread around the Dandenong Ranges. Um, each uh, particular day's tour um, will go to different gardens. Occasionally there'll be this, one of the gardens will be featured again, but in some cases the garden will only, only occur on one particular day of the tours. Now, um, all the tours uh, meet at Kawara, up at Kalarama at 9.30. So you, you have to make your own way up to Kawara uh, Australian Plant Garden. Now you, um, you uh, get coffee and cake before departure. Uh, now the tours also include picnic lunches and refreshments and the tours end each evening with a sparkling wine evening to finish off the day. Uh, now... Um, just to give some idea, for instance, um, they'll be going to gardens such as uh, Juiced Baker in Monbolk. They'll be going to Nobelius Heritage Park. They'll be going to places like Mernda Heights, Hollingdale in Sassafras, lots and lots of um, different gardens, um, Beachmont, so, and meeting, of course, the, uh, the gardeners there as well for a private tour. Now, they have a limit of 50 places each day. Um, the cost is $135 for the full day, but if you choose to book for um, more than one day, then there are discounts available. Uh, so many of these gardens, as I mentioned, are not open to the public normally. Now, to book... Um, you need to go online and their website, and you can you can download the whole um, the whole uh, uh, brochure of of every garden under each date. So you'll know exactly which ones you would like to go to. But you go online, and uh, the uh, address is Secret Gardens of the Dandenong Ranges, all one word: Secret Gardens of the Dandenong Ranges. dot com. .au and all the information um, is up there online and also the chance to book to go on one or more of those. And um, I know Virginia and I personally went on the one the first year that they held these. Mm. Fascinating day, absolutely wonderful. And um, the gardens they're going to this year are different from the ones that we went on that were available there. They try and make them different each year. Oh, so something for everyone. Um, very, very worthwhile and setting a day And spring in the Nong Ranges is pretty special. Very special. Yeah, it's yeah. a lovely place to be. Absolutely. So, uh, okay, we are running through until 9.15. You are listening to the 3CR Gardening Show. So if you'd like to hop on board on the line... Ask a gardening question. We do have about uh, 10, 12 minutes to take your calls. The number is 94190155. Graham, what else did you bring in this morning? Yeah, well, Pam, uh, for one, one here, I've got uh, some flowers start, starting to droop, droop, droop a bit. But uh, somewhere in my reading, they were saying that 
herbs, uh, you know, when, when they do come to come to flower, the the actual flavour of the f- flowers is more intense than the actual l- l- leaves of the plant, which I really hadn't, uh, c- c- you know, th- th- thought about that f- for a while. And consequently, I think, oh, well, you know, this bok choy had gone to, go, gone to flower and some ro- rocket had gone for flower. And now I'm really I'm, I'm, I'm hooked on just uh, eating the, the flowers. The, 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 the mm. tips of the flowers. Yes, and tossing and, them uh, into salads. They're yeah, wonderful. Yeah, too, too, too right. I thought I'd just, you know, if, if, if Stephen is game to have a bite of this. Uh, oh, I'm not game for anything, Graham, uh, but I, uh, I have to say bok choy, as, bok choy. A, as a vegetable I'm not overly fond of. But, <laughs> okay, uh, well, there you go. It's a bit lacking, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, something about it. <laughs> Didn't like that and I think most of those Chinese vegetables all taste the same. <laughs> okay, yes. <laughs> all right, I'm munching away. Yeah, There's okay. a slightly cabbagey flavour in there. It's <laughs> okay. um, got an interesting It's certainly not face. unpleasant. <laughs> it's not unpleasant. Uh, I was expecting a little bit more of a nectar flavour to it. It's not as sweet as some of the other things. I mean, cabbage flowers have got yeah, quite a sweet oh, yeah, sure. flavour to them. Um, yeah, this sure. hasn't got that sort of flavour. Um, that's right, sure. That's perfectly probably, perfectly edible. I was thinking of, the yeah. buds are nicer than the flowers. They're crisper. Ooh, there you go. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. <laughs> yes, I, I prefer the buds to the flowers. I do too, and they're yeah. slightly stronger in flavour. Yeah, I think the buds are better than the, the open flowers. I think the buds are good. Yeah. yeah, I could live with the buds. So there but, you go. But the other thing is that, of course, that if you let all these things go to flower, they're fantastic yes. for your beneficial insects. Mm. Okay. All the pollinators. Yes, they them. draw they, them they, into they, the garden. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm. Yep. So, so many people, you know, oh, it's gone to seed, you know. Don't whip it out. Whack it out. Leave some in there, yeah. You do have this quandary, though. Sometimes you want the space for something else. True. And you're letting your bok choy or something go to seed. Uh, and you desperately want to get your carrot crop in or whatever. Yeah. Um, uh, I do find that a bit of a quandary because I quite like letting some of my veggies go to seed that oh, way yes. too in the garden. But and you can often get su- succession um, harvesting by well, doing Well, exactly. That. I mean, the rocket, the I never so yeah. rocket anymore. It comes up through the garden. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, I definitely like the buds better. Yes, I think the buds are better. Buds uh, are good. All right, let's have a crack at the okay, rocket yeah, as well. Yeah, here comes the rocket, Pam. Pam yeah. Okay. <laughs> Uh, I think in an evolutionary sense, you know, the flower, of course, is very important for It takes a while plant. for the flavour to come through on the rocket. Okay. Yeah, mm. sure, yeah. it's it, not, does. it doesn't come through as quickly mm. as but what the... But it's there on the palate at the end. Yeah. Really, t- t- there's, 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 there's quite a peppery taste at the end. Mm. Yeah, yeah. Have you tried a bud, Stephen? <laughs> Again, the buds are better. <laughs> okay. <laughs> totally better te- agree. Yeah, better texture. <laughs> um, so I think we shouldn't let them go to flower. We should just let the buds form and we'll eat a whole pile of bud salad. <laughs> Very, very perceptive, you two. I tell you what. <laughs> oh, we're gourmets. Oh. <laughs> Sounds like you're describing a wine. You know? Yeah, yeah, it's a, yes, a bit yes. of licorice in the. It obviously came off the west side of the hill. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> But look, I think, you know, we should be experimenting with all that sort of stuff. And um, in fact, I'll get the website at some stage. I didn't bring it with me, but I found a website where you can go in and find out about the edibility of almost any plant you want. Really? You just have to top, type the uh, name of the plant in. Yeah. It's something like Plants for the Future or something like that it's called, the website. Okay. And yeah. you type the name of the plant in and it will tell you whether it has medical or edibility Qualities, mm-hmm. and if it does have edibility qualities, it gives it a rating, right? Uh, and then it also tells you what part of the plant you eat and how you prepare it. Fantastic! It's a great website. I only found it by pure accident not long ago, because um, somebody had told me about the edibility of Solomon seal shoots that you can use them like asparagus, which I might try at some stage, being game for almost anything. Um, and 
I don't know. I must have looked up something about the edibility, edibility of Solomon Seal, and, and this thing came up. And so now, if I've got some sort of strange, interesting sort of woodland plant that is in the brassica family or something, I just type it in to see whether it's ever been used as an edible. And sometimes it's the foliage, sometimes it's the flowers, sometimes it's the roots. Um, Fantastic! And uh, so I found a whole palette of edible plants that I'm growing that I didn't know were edible. There you go. So I'll try and remember the next time I'm in to bring in the name of the website for people. It's something like plants for the future or plants of the future or something like that. I think it was I might a, I might yeah. have a little play around. Yeah, see if you can find it. But yeah. it's a really yeah. useful website. I, I have two websites that I use almost constantly now. It's that one. Yeah. And the plant list produced by Q. Oh yes, that's excellent. Because it's really good for checking what they consider to be the currently acceptable no, the, the, name yes. uh, of plants. Sure. So uh, yeah, yeah. I've got yeah. into the habit of checking with the Q website almost before I write labels for anything, even if I assume that it's still got the same name. Yep. I yep. go in and check. Yep. Um, and I found those two website so good that I've got them up on my sort of thing where your favourite. You can are. just click on. Yeah, so I can just go straight in and, yep. and, and check it out. Yeah. So um, that that bit about you know whether the plant is edible or, or what you know it's okay for me to say you know people get the idea you you need it all 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 the flowers that come out in your garden you know. That that that's, that that'd be very dangerous to say a thing like that. It's like people used to come into my nursery with with the t- uh, fungi fungi and say, "Can you eat this?" Sort oh, of thing? And, yes. You know, I I dipped out of that one. Yeah, because, oh, yeah, yeah. no, you've got to be very careful. <laughs> yeah. You've yeah, got to be absolutely <laughs> positive what they've picked up is something you can eat. Yeah. And the problem is then if you say, "Oh, yes, you can eat those," they'll go out and collect something that looks like those, yeah. which isn't those. Exactly. Uh, and then you could get the blame for poisoning them. Yeah. So yeah, yeah I'm very nervous about that side of things. I mean, I'll eat fungi. I know myself are fine, but. I wouldn't. I would recommend never recommend it to, it to anybody. No, never. No, too frightening. Yeah. Um, although it could be considered natural selection. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> All the foolhardy people who who followed our recommendations. Yeah, that's right. Yes, yeah. yes. No, no, we won't go there. We've got a couple of callers. Very quickly, we'll go to uh, Bronwyn, who's in Drysdale. Good morning, Bronwyn. Oh, good morning, everybody. You're making us quite hungry. Um, (laughs) (laughs) um, Two two quick questions. Firstly, Aprunus pluriana. Um, My daughter was born in 1972, and when I brought her home in Essendon, we had Aprunus pluriana that was out, double pink, looked beautiful, and I always thought it was a lovely omen. Ten years ago, she had a daughter, so a little granddaughter, Heidi, was born, and went out down at Drysdale, and I put in Aprunus pluriana. Same month, and every year... Out comes the beautiful double blossom. This year, I have eight pieces of blossom on the tree, and I'm driving around. There are a few trees out that are the full bluriana, or yeah, full blossom. A lot of them, it's just the leaves are coming out, we thought, as the possum eaten, all the leaves, all the buds, as the wind, but we've been here, but 10 years, I've never, ever not had it at least 80, 90%. Has anybody else heard of this, or is there something? I am not a Bleriana person myself, so I haven't been paying attention, I have to say. Um, so I haven't noticed that. Although now that you do mention it, I was driving around the city the other day and the magnolias are all coming out and there was yes. some prunus in flower, but it didn't seem to me to be as 
madly so as I remember in previous years. So there's only odd trees around with yes. their pink flower in them. Uh, so you're right. Yes. I'm, I'm, I'm quite sure it's a thing. Uh, but what's causing the thing is, of course, a moot point, and it's probably something climatic. So uh, the, 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 yeah. the, the other thing, Bronwyn, I think, you know, there's yes, Propunus nigra, which is a, a, a single flower and, and, and the very, very purple leaves, whereas your Bleriana... It's uh, it's a double flower, as, double, you, as, as right. you say, but less less purple in the leaves. It wouldn't be that the the nurseryman gave you the wrong one, like uh, uh, the, 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 how how purple are the, are the leaves would be oh, there. Look, Graham, it's, it's yeah. ten years old, so for the oh, last nine years, yeah, no, this yeah, this yeah, is yeah. what's thrown me because yeah. for the nine years, in fact, yeah, I always good. send a photo okay. to, to little Heidi. This is your first yeah, blossom, I'll, I'll your and yeah, so that's yeah. what's thrown me. This is. Yeah, ten, she's ten, ten yeah. Um, this month. Yes, yes, yes. I would say it would have to be climatic. Yeah, it's got to be something yeah. to do with yeah. the seasons, uh, something that happened last summer more than likely because yeah. that's when they'd start to be getting ready to form their buds yeah. for the following spring. That's uh, right. And then would that affect them? We've got three beautiful fruit trees, peach, pear and blood plum, and um, they, they are coming out in blossom, but I'm just concerned that because they're fruit, you know, the Bluriana's just sort of ornamental. Yeah. yeah. And I thought, oh, oh. Look, you'll have your good and your bad years. Yeah. You, with any fruit tree, you're going to have your good years and yeah. your bad years. So mm-hmm. uh, you have to prepare yourself for that. I mean, last year I've got two plums in the garden, uh, a Santa Rosa and uh, – and I can't remember what the other one is, but anyhow, they're, bo- they're both cross-pollinators, so they yeah, should yeah, be producing yeah, fruit yeah, together. Yeah. And last year, one of them fruited really well, and the other one had virtually nothing. Nothing. Yeah. Um, yeah. Hot luck, isn't it? And, and so yeah, it can yeah. be. And I noticed yeah. the same two plums uh, this year. One of them is in full bloom. The other one's just got a few flowers opening, yeah, and I've got an awful feeling yeah, they may so, not cross-pollinate yeah, properly yeah, again yeah. this yeah. year. That happens more. Yeah. Yeah, so, so, you know, yeah, so you just yeah, got to roll yeah, with it. Yeah, yeah. yeah, No, no, that's all right. I just thought in case something new. Now, very quickly, the second one, I've got a little, you know, the white veil, we call them the veil lilies, um, that you see in the, in the countryside with the white, like, trumpet lily thing. Do you know yeah. what I mean? Are you talking about the, what we'd call an arum? The, um, oh, arum lily. Yes. Yeah, so the, the xanthodecias, yeah. Yeah, the big, big big green leaf and then they have yeah. the white lily. Yeah, right. the white lily, the sort yeah. of funeral lily looking. Yeah, thing. that's yeah. right. Yeah. Okay, about eight years ago when this daughter moved out of an old home in Nidri, I went in to clean the garden up and a lot of things in the back corner have not been seen for centuries. <laughs> and I saw this beautiful miniature, 12 inches high, and it's like a black beautiful black colour and because it spoke to me and said please take me home with you which I did as you would Mm -hmm. now last year it's flowered for about five years I went to both Karanga in the Dandenongs Van Loon is down here near us nobody knew what it was it is a beautiful beautiful almost black everyone just called it black pearl but the difference was is all those ones have like a shine inside but mine inside is velvet the texture is like a velvet, only 12 inches high. Is there anything heirloomy that you could think of? I was going to send you a photo. Well, you could after. send me a photo to, to check it up, but it's. Yeah. I would say it's definitely a true arum, not a xanthodecia. Oh, uh, a true, right. It'll be a true arum, and it could be arum palestinum, it could be arum dioscorides, or it could be arum um, purpurospathum. Right. Um, but I'd have to see a picture yeah. of the flower and preferably also a shot of the foliage yes, uh, I've got that, yeah. to be able to pin it down. Yes. Um, uh, if you were to email photos to me, uh, yeah. I feel reasonably confident I'll name it for you. Um, oh, lovely. And if you want to send an email, send it to Tugurium, T-U-G-U-R-I-U-M. 
Chagrium. Chagrium, that's the name of yep. my garden, at yep. bigpond.com. Oh, yes, yep, yep. Okay, lovely. And Thanks. and I'm very happy to look at images as long as they're taken well and they're not blurry or from about yeah. 20 miles away. Yeah, um, no, no, it's only about 12, 18 inches away. And as I said, they're only 12 inches high. Yeah. So as so, long as it's a nice clear yeah. photo, I reckon I'll be able to ID it for you quite easily. Beautiful. Thank you very much, everyone. That's and a um, okay. enjoy your Father's Day. Thank you. <laughs> Thank Bye. You. Bye. I don't think the dogs are going to buy me anything for Father's no, Day. No, sorry. Oh. <laughs> okay, we're going next to uh, Marjorie out in Hawthorne. Good morning, Marjorie. Oh, good morning. Thank you we'll for taking my call. We'll have to make it quick. I'm yes, sorry. Yes, yes. Uh, it's about fruit trees pruning them, apples and pears. When I prune the top, they then shoot to, for the heavens, uh, great long, strong, strong stems. I'm wondering, uh, can I avoid that in any way and uh, should I just cut it back to the where I cut it the previous time? What mm, should I do with yeah, pruning? It's, it's, a, it's a problem, that one. Marjorie, because you've got v- 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 vigor there, and you cut back, and they you, you want, don't want something that you've got to climb up a ladder to to, to harvest. Yes. You, you, you you bring them down. But I think as the, the previous uh, caller, Philip, I think was to, to, talking about, if you you do t- c- c- cut them back, and then through 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 the late spring summer season, you know, c- 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 keep at them with the secateurs and c- c- keep them down. It's amazing how you know it, with a bit of summer pr- pruning you can uh, you know. R- 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 Restrict the upward. You think r- I can r- put r- them r- off a bit if I yeah. do? Yeah. do Summer pruning yeah. seems to hold them back more than winter pruning. Does. I see. Yeah. Oh well, that, that's hopeful then, because yeah. it's quite a problem. Yeah, I imagine that that's right. You're probably looking after the tree too well as well. You know, you give it good fertilizer and and water, and away it goes. Yeah. 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 So, uh, yeah. All right. Well, thanks. I'll try that then okay. this year. Good on you. Thank you very much. So, okay. Bye. 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 Just, just the other one, sorry, Pam, yeah, sure. a, a, a quick one. I was down at Bullion Art and Garden. They've got a, a peach tree called No Bubbles, which they claim gets no this wretched cur- leaf leaf curl sort of thing. Really? I, I, I don't know, you know, what the fruit, oh, fruit, what the fruit, fruit, fruit is like, but there's another thing. That they think there's about. something to do some research on as well. <laughs> yeah. No Bubbles. Who yeah. thought of that name? Yeah, it's a bit of a naff name, but anyhow, what can you do? <laughs> Good heavens. Okay. Yeah. Oh, and I guess, well, most people should have probably given a spray. Already, pink yes, bugs. That, yeah. true, I haven't. <laughs> I haven't either, but mine it doesn't seem to get that badly affected, so I just ignore it, yeah. to be quite well, honest. Away from where you can, but I think it's lucky, good. Yeah. I think, yeah. All right, now. The other thing I want to quickly tell you, yes. which I'm really excited about. All right, well, you better because we've only got a couple of minutes to go. <laughs> I know, I know. But I have had a pot of miniature daffodils, for about six years, right? Mm. Never flowered. This year, yay, they're about to open up. I don't know why they've sat in salt for six years, but they are just... Do we know what one it is? No, I don't even know what one it is. I think I was given, you know, six bulbs. They've sat there, they've... And, and I, I mean, for years I was going to just turf them out. I thought, oh, this is hopeless. But... Uh, they knew you were going to turf them out, so they yeah, decided they better don't do it's like It's like the old leaning an axe against yeah. the tree trunk. Yeah, my mother swore that that worked. She had two camellias that were given to her for a, I think it was for her 30th birthday or something, and they sat in our garden up at Mount Macedon growing like steam for about the next eight years and not one flower on them. And mum did go out and lean the axe against the camellias and they did flower the next yeah, year. Uh, and she was convinced that that's what caused it. But, you know. It's crazy. It is. It's 
it's weird. Yeah, mm. yeah. Oh dear, Graham, it's been a pleasure having you back on. We will be, uh, <laughs> you will be back on again before yeah, Christmas. Good, I'm pleased good, to say, first good. Sunday in uh, yeah. November, you'll be back Thanks, joining man. us. I mean, so you're not it, tootling it, off overseas it, again it, for a wee while. Enjoy. No, no, no. That's no, that's no. He's got to stay home for a while. His fruit trees demand he stays home for a while. True, true. You have, of course, been listening to the Three CR Gardening Show. We're on every Sunday morning from 7.30 until 9.15. Coming up next um, is alternative news. So uh, uh, it is time for us to go. But, of course, we'll be back again next Sunday morning. So until then, bye for now.